So, well, yeah, we can talk about it. I mean, it's okay to talk about all that because it's, you know, I don't think anybody's going to misunderstand or, you know, want to come and burn the house down or anything like that. I don't think there'll be any rock throwing, no uh, tar and feathers. You Are know, you torch, sure? Torches with tar and feather. I don't know. It's, you know, because, you know, we've really pushed the boundaries on this show. I mean, we're out there, you know, on the leading edge of what uh, someday will be known as uh, human communication. And, uh, in the meantime, we sit here amidst the uh, glowies and the flickeries and the color in the room and the sunlight in the window and just do our best to survive day to day, you know, <laughs> waiting for the moment when we can say, yes, it's 8.50 a.m. Saturday, May the 21st, 2022. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Sorry if I interrupted you with the, uh, with the. Uh, no. It's. No worries. Oh, it seemed like you were starting another sentence, and I cut you off because oh, well. I was. I just wanted to get through that part of the show as quickly as possible. You know why, Diane? <sighs> why, Bill? Because it's been a hectic week here in like abundance. And uh, we should probably, you know, get with the program, get with the the whole, you know. Foci uh, of the uh, of the um, um, the um, program. Well, it has been. It's been an abundant week in abundance. It is. Been. I'm okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, hectic has, you know. Because you might kind of... have forgotten, but the full moon ceremony yeah, took place no, yeah. um, during this time too. Right. So. Exactly. So yeah, I think you should uh, you know fill in a few blanks here. Come on, what's the story? What's yeah, the boogie? What's the skinny? Things, lots of things happening. Things. Well, I don't know whether I've ever really spoken about it too much on the show, but show? there was a period of five years. I would say it's about five years that I um, that I had a group of young women. Uh, and a few of my older friends, but I would say that the younger women outnumbered the the older ones, um, meet at my house for a full moon circle. And it was uh, brought about, first of all, by my friend Alexandra, who at that time was going to Bastyr University to learn to be a naturopath. And, and then it was mostly peopled by a lot of the young women who were in the classes that she was taking um, who were also from Bastyr and we just wanted a way to honor the the cycles, honor the elements it was a profoundly impactful uh, series of things that I did during that time that really um, got me in touch with a lot of the the desire to think about the elements as and the the directions everything as a an important part of life to be even considering them instead of just taking everything for granted and uh these events were uh, every every week they'd most usually be held here at this house but uh, from time to time, we would either go outside to a park, I mean, mostly um, some pretty remote area, or we would go to one of the other P 
people's uh, places. But it was, they were younger, so a lot of times there just was, they didn't have the room, the, the ability to hold them. But every week was handled by, you know, each person well, would lead a, a cycle whenever they wanted to. It was very much a free form and that we created it with the, the group that we had. It started really small, just with Alexandra and me, and then it grew bigger until we were having maybe 10, 15 people, depending on who was brought. And it was quite a powerful thing. Yeah. And it stopped very naturally. And, uh, you know, as it grew very naturally, it stopped very naturally as many of these young women um, got married or partnered and um, had children and they just didn't have the time, you know, uh, for obvious reasons. Or went to work and didn't have time. But I had had told one of my friends about this, my very, very dear friend who has been helping me with life coaching and retirement and and, um, she has teenage daughters who were very interested in participating in something like this and and since it was going to be the lunar eclipse, eclipse. Yeah. a blood moon um you know that would show up red in the sky right. um and a flower moon of the of may she asked whether i would come over on sunday and and do a full moon circle and so last sunday i spent the morning writing a guided meditation and that I I saw something a guided meditation that I thought was kind of cool but it had a lot of things that for my brain didn't work so I decided to just write my own and it was quite lovely to be in that activity during that time um and then I also have a book with rituals for every month. And mm-hmm. it had a particularly beautiful ritual that was for um, the flower moon. And so a lot of it was about flowers. And um, and so the interesting thing is that it was pretty stormy all day. Mm-hmm. But as I was driving to the, the meeting, it all of a sudden the sun broke out and it was quite... I remember sitting here at home going I got myself a cup of coffee here and I'm going to take me a sip <laughs> Diane's got it going on yeah, I, am an I live with a wizard <laughs> interestingly after we completed the ritual it started raining but interesting Diane that's, yeah that's what it is it's interesting but mm-hmm. my friend had invited another friend who I actually work with uh, on one of my teams. But I had never done uh, a full moon circle with teenagers before, and I was kind of nervous about it for a lot of reasons, um, mostly because I don't want to kind of intrude on a parenting style. Mm. Uh, I I feel like uh, these people are not quite as independent yet in there so i but i sent the the moon imagery to uh to my friend beforehand just so that she can see what i was planning to do i thought if she thought it wasn't you know good or anything she could tell me and um nothing about the way that she was handling this was doing this this is all my own um my own tendencies to 
be careful when you're involved in something like this. But it just was beautiful all the way around. And um, it's funny because I felt very rusty at leading one of these. And and yet the the other people who were involved, they had never participated at all. And But the thing that they were most attracted to was the guided imagery that um that I did and and the uh the two teenage young women actually told their mother separately not together that it changed their mind about meditation that they felt that that was the first time they had really seen what meditation could do oh. and i was thinking it's really just I love guided imagery myself because it's allowing you to still not just vacate your mind in meditation, but be someplace else than your usual head is tending. And, and, uh, it was just so beautiful the, the, my friend has set up a beautiful table with lots of different things that were precious to her. We set up around, they, she has the little fire pit. We were all around the fire pit and, but it just felt very healing to me in a lot of ways. And then yesterday, speaking of Bastyr, um, well, I, I need to back up a little bit because the whole story is that um, one of my dear friends who I've worked with on teams at the University of Washington, she and I uh, never worked for the same department, but we worked on a project together that was very meaningful to both of us. And during that time, we just fell in love with each other and have been friends ever since. And that has been, I don't know, 10 years ago uh, that that happened at least. And um, I was talking to her and she was so amazed at how engaged I am becoming with my own tarot online class. And she said, you know, it's funny because I'm having just a little bit of a glimmer of that same kind of passion. Um, for me, it's uh, a passion that I once had when I was young. I loved to garden. Hmm. And as I got older, I, did, I kind of didn't have the time to pursue it in the same way. She said, I grew on a, a, in a farm kind of situation with my grandmother. That's She mostly was taking care of me while my parents were in, engaged in work. And, and she said, but lately I've just been geeking out on really small elements of things like how the moss grows. And I, I just became fascinated by moss and was looking up all sorts of things about moss. And then now I'm really fascinated by soil composition. And I said, man, Katie, that is so incredible. And I said, hey, I have been wanting to go up to the medicinal gardens at Bastyr because they have a beautiful medicinal garden. And uh, I had been inviting you uh, to attend and you were kind of going, I don't know, it's not really my thing. And then all of a sudden Katie's talking about this. So I was saying... I have a friend who works at Bastyr now who used to work at the university and he was a microbiologist and did all sorts of um, work in pharmacology and 
was a research assistant professor there, but now he works at Bastyr. And so um, I, when I told her that, she was like, oh my gosh, that would be incredible. I, I feel like I must meet this man. So uh, I contacted my friend, uh, Paul, and he said he would love to, to have us come out. And we had already settled on a certain day between Katie and I, just so that we'd have a date, mm -hmm. you know. And it was yesterday, Friday, um, May 20th. And uh, Paul not only welcomed us to come out, that he would show us, but he also asked the garden manager, uh, whose name is Safali Patel, whether, uh, whether she would be able to give us a, a tour as well, uh, as the knowledgeable one about the garden. And it was just the most amazing afternoon. She shared so many things about that medicinal garden that we would never, I, I don't think we could have had a conversation with anybody else but her because she's got a, a vision for this garden that is quite astonishing. And the basic thing is, it's so interesting the way that these gardens are laid out. And I, I want to say that the University of Washington has one of the best medicinal herb gardens in the area, but there's no one to tell you anything about it. Like if you go to the medicinal gardens, and I often used to go, you can tour around that area, but you can't... You don't, you don't learn anything. You don't learn anything. Mm -hmm. And so it's sort of like, wow, this is pretty amazing to see these plants, but you, they don't really even tell you on the, the little plaques what they are for they just have the names of the plants but at in the medicinal garden at Bastyr they actually have them uh, in a in a patterned way of because it's an educating facility right. so the very first garden that Shafali had shown us was the garden that they take to just get basics um, for students learning about plants. And they are organized by the family of plants that they're in. So, for example, she was showing us all the, the plants that were in the mint family. And lemon balm and spearmint and peppermint and catnip. catnip. And, and as we were going through, uh, the very first thing that she said that just really caught my passion when she said the main thing is so that the the students will learn about the smells of these plants which and their the way that they look the way that they smell which is all part of the medicine and that just really lit me up because i was thinking that's part of what we've often talked about about the benefits of naturopath work is that it's it's everything from the moment you walk in the door. It's the smells, you know, that it's all part of the healing process, not just the medicine they give you. It's everything about, you know, the sense, the, the, the emotional content of a place. 
So that was really a fascinating thing for me at first. And then she showed us these other various gardens that were uh, grouped by the bodily system that they affected, like the nervous system, gastrointestinal systems, cardiac systems, and everything is beautiful. And even though this is not the prime growth season, everything was lush and verdant. They've had a lot of, green, a lot of rain. They've had a lot of rain. Yeah. Then she took us over to this other um, area that uh, that was just so fascinating to me because she's she's giving us all sorts of information all through the the time that we're walking through these areas. And, uh, for example, one of the things, the bits of information that I just thought was endlessly fascinating was that she said, all of these plants and the fungi that support them and the soil and the things that live in the soil, they're in constant communication with each other. And they are uh, communicating all the time. And perhaps... They're communicating to us too, but we don't remember how to remember how to connect to that. And so we were hypothesizing that maybe some people still can. And those are the people who create homeopathy, for example, or various, uh, various ways of healing, but that, uh, that, that should be part of our, our structure of learning. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that she shared with me that was just mind-blowing, or I shouldn't say me, us, she was sharing that there are certain plants that grow in certain areas and they grow like weeds. They are just profuse and overabundant. And she gave the example of mugwort, which is... um, which apparently in the area that she used to grow in the east, uh, grow up in in the east, is just try. They're trying to constantly get rid of this as a it's like a an weed. invasive species or something. Like yeah. That. Yeah. But she said, but the interesting thing is that plants grow at different times in different places, and we as humans haven't really identified how or why, but you know there'll be a growth of something and they'll it will become quite profuse but it, it doesn't always stay the same profusion and she said but right now mugwort is really growing up in the east and the east is being affected by climate change and many scientists have been concerned that malaria might start uh, re- reappearing on the east coast with the climate change and mugwort is actually being studied by Scientists. by scientists as a, a therapeutic means for for dealing with malaria yeah. and they're dealing with this for other developing countries that can't afford the medicine medicinal the, things that we do the pharmacological things right but this is a, a way for them to deal with it holistically and i was just like wow that just blows my mind so then she took us over to this area that is uh, not the herbal area, but just a place where they grow food. And she was mentioning 
this one plot that really has always been kind of uh, growing on its own without much uh, tending. And she mentioned that it was the four sisters. And I, so Katie, who is interested and apparently had heard about the four sisters in the past uh, because she is a gardener, she was saying, what is the fourth sister? And uh, because uh, because she knew about the three sisters, which is uh, a combination of three plants working together. One, and I'm going to call them about call them the sisters. Sister Bean fixes or makes available in plant form nitrogen from the air. Sister Corn provides the support for Sister Bean's trailing vine. Sister Squash provides ground cover to hold moisture and maintain healthy soil environment while deterring animal invaders with its spiny stems. And the fourth sister can either be Sister Sunflower, and that's what they have in the um, Bastyr Gardens, or Sister Bee Balm, also known as Bergamot, Horsemint, or Oswego Tea. This sister supports the beans, lures birds from the corn with her seeds, and attracts insect pollinators. And so I was just, I think that we were, Katie and I were like in a, uh, a sense of total awe and wonder during the whole period of time they were, that we were there because these gardens, they're public, you can go to them, you can learn from them, they are beautiful, they're in this beautiful park, uh, I mean, Bastyr is in the St. Edward's Park, so it's got surrounding wooded areas. It's just quite an incredible um, place to visit. And it's it's only like 20 minutes away from us, maybe mm-hmm. not even. Mm-hmm. 18 minutes, I think it took to get there. And it was just the most incredible day. But I was feeling like, because Katie and I were both saying, we have got to come back. Yeah. We have got to, you know, enjoy this more. Um, Paul took us on a uh, a tour of the the classrooms and their their nutrition kitchens, the places where they make the herbal tinctures. It was just incredible. But I felt like I was setting a blueprint for future education because my whole retirement is going to be about education and this is one of my chosen areas is to learn more about plants even though we don't have a garden but I still want to learn about them because I feel like they have much to teach us about life and therein lies my monologue I'm sorry for just nattering did you see the picture that that Holly Tuttle posted on Facebook. Which one? About the yellow? With the cats. Oh, yes. yes. The, yeah. yeah. Some Uncle Harlow or somebody like that brought catnip. They, there was a picture of their three cats just kind of laying on the uh, in different positions. It said, Uncle Harlow brought catnip and the stove is going. I feel like we're living, I feel like we live in a damn opium den. You know, the cats are just sprawled. On, you know. It was funny. I saw catnip yesterday. Yeah. I used to keep catnip when I had a cat. If you're going to have a cat, you ought to have a catnip plant. 
or two in the window just to so you can you know give the cat a little treat well i also felt like i was the explorer on this particular trip because you were were intending to go yeah. but couldn't um i didn't quite have the didn't have the umpapa in your calliope yeah. yeah but i really would love for us to go there just to journal you know just to sit in that marvelous garden and see what we can hear from the plants if we can hear anything because yeah. i was even thinking i even was saying to katie afterwards i wonder if even being in the presence of some of these plants like if you sit by the nervous system plant area whether it would be helpful helpful yeah. you know sure i don't know you know when people are so uh, one of the things that is so fascinating to me about this Bastyr experience is that Bastyr is a very um, difficult program to get through. They they learn all the allopathic courses that medical students need to learn and the naturopathic. So when people are downplaying naturopathic uh, doctors as being somehow lesser than or uh, or think, oh my gosh, you know they're they are not. They're kind of hocus pocus, hairy fairy, yeah. nuts and twigs, butterflies and rainbows. The thing that it, that I think is the most fascinating thing about it is it's the juncture between science and nature and the magic of nature, which science will never unlock. Right. So. All the the healing powers that a doctor can bring to bear really mean nothing unless the unless the patient believes in the in the treatment unless yeah. the the patient has some inward thing that is going to heal them and part of what has been healing for me in seeing a naturopath all these years is the fact that I the, the level of trust that you establish with them uh, is based upon, um, you know, just being with them as a human being. It's yeah. not it's not 12 minutes of, you know, in, look at your chart, enter a couple things on the computer, write a prescription, see you. Next. You know, it's, and it's, never seen the same doctor. Right. That you you develop a relationship too. with them, and part of what is healing about it is the presence of the person. That's and absolutely without true. Without them ever touching you or doing any kind of thing on you. And that's, it has taught me that when I'm looking for a practitioner, like I've just started with this new physical therapist, I need to feel a connection with the person in order for anything to work. And when I feel that connection with the person, just being there helps me. That's right. You know? And so it's a, it's a whole thing. And it's the, the way you respond to the human being becomes key to the healing process and is empowering because once you feel that connection from your end, it kind of says, hey, I have a part to play in this. It's like an automatic reaction rather than somebody having to convince you that you need to do these things in order if you want to get better, you got to do the, you, you want to do it because it, you realize you're in control on That's some right. level. That's right. Uh, and that you have a uh, an active role. So it's not some uh, aloof person in a white lab coat who obviously is smarter than you coming in and telling you what to do. You know, well, and the, we were talking about the fact that when you are, uh, when the person is wearing a lab coat and you're in a 
sterile looking environment with everything white and and a, you're wearing a gown where your butt's hanging out and, yeah and you're you know, on a slab of a table with tissue paper and, on with it with tissue paper <laughs> and and you feel like a lab specimen yeah. not like a person mm. and i feel like for me the the people who don't believe in magic and i i believe that magic is sort of like it's a wondrous thing that we don't understand right there are so many wondrous things in the world that we don't understand. And if you are so blinded, you know, like the, the horses that have those blinders on that you can only see down yeah. this one path, right. then you don't know as much as can be available to you if you consider a lot of things. And so when she was talking about the gardens when Shefali was talking about this it was all about what climate change is going to do how they are trying to deal with it because right now you know the way that they're growing plants is they're they're visioning what's going to happen with climate change how what plants will survive what can we do to help them thrive on their own to some degree right. you know that will help them thrive but we cannot be the only um, nurturers. Nurturers. Yeah. We can't just treat them like hothouse flowers. Or we crops. need to. Yeah, we need to understand these plants better and what they need from us that isn't totally reliant on us. And right, and they thrive. They they thrive in a cult in a community of other plants, not as a row of everything the same not as a yeah. monoculture it's got to be a community that they live in in order to thrive because they need that mycelial uh connection under the ground that with yeah. other with other kinds of uh beings or organisms or life forms in order to thrive yeah. well it's just fascinating so this whole week has yeah, that felt whole, the part i'm sorry i no. wanted to just point out one thing that you didn't mention was your idea of uh, or someone's idea of that underground connection as a social network. Well, the reason why I brought up social yeah. network was because yesterday I pulled a tarot card, which is the Queen of Wands. And interestingly, I've never pulled this card before. She's holding a sunflower. She has a, a crown of living foliage on her head, and she's holding a wand, and in the tarot the wands are living branches right, they actually have got green. little leaf shoots coming right. off the sides so i immediately associated that with the day because of this situation coming up and my friend who i've been corresponding with i told him also that um that one of the themes of the Queen of Wands was social networking and that I felt like this was all about social networking. Mm -hmm. And and that was before we went out. And and then I had no idea of the social networking that the entire day would have um, because it was me introducing these two friends to each other. It was this friend and uh, that works at Bestier introducing us to all sorts of people, professors and administrators and people who worked in 
um, the gardens and, and then to this garden manager. And I just felt like the, the people social networking was quite amazing. But then when I started thinking about all the social networking of the the plants and everything around us, it just felt like one glorious example of this wonderful social networking. And I, I don't really like the, the, the term, the term networking. And I wouldn't mind it if it hadn't been overused in a kind of like selfish way. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to get to know this person so they can help me instead of how can we help each other, yeah. you know, but just that whole web of experience that all these people that you know we're all tugging at each other's lines a little bit and we're sharing passions we're helping each other learn even my friend who is helping me learn about tarot you know we're we're um we're communicating back and forth we're we're helping each other learn so it's just the most remarkable thing but the whole idea of this of plants and trees being our teachers in so many ways if we would only listen <laughs> to them about what they have to share about the networking yeah you can't be on your own i keep one of the things that i always think about when i think about people who wage war like Putin let's say he is a person who somehow thinks you can isolate yourself and become all-powerful and you know you can do this through threats or whatever and I feel like it will never succeed because people are not isolated they are not isolated or isolating in their best form you know you have to uh you have to extend and share yeah, you have to, to be exist in, in the world. You have to be in a community. Yeah. You have to be part of a community. And I sometimes feel like the uh, the entire point of our capitalist culture is to isolate us more and more. You know, where we don't ever have to get up out of our chair to have our food delivered, to buy whatever we want. And it's just a, you know, one-click world. And of which you are just consuming. Right. You are you only are, consuming, are only and that consuming. is all you were about. Right. That's why I'm surprised so. that more companies are not in more into people working from home, because that's another reason to never leave your chair. You know, you're always in there, and as long as you're connected to the web, then you're going to be bombarded with advertising of some kind for something, and you're going to think, boy, it would sure be easier if I had one of these or three of these or whatever. I don't know. Anyway, that's taking the conversation in another direction. Another thing that's happened this week is that the poetry break happened and that's become kind of a nice space or it's becoming kind of a nice space I'm, and that had a very magical arc to it this time too. yeah i got i had a i had a bunch of different poems to read that people had sent me and uh, i found kind of i was kind of just going through them and reading them to myself and kind of familiarizing myself to them and i started realizing hey there's a shape here you know, so I kind of organized them in a way that kind of made sense to me. So, I don't know. I love it's that. An interesting, I love that. It's an interesting pursuit in that it's very casual. Pardon me, I'm going to have another drink of coffee. I don't feel like I, I don't have any sense of pressure around it. You, boy. It's very free form. It's good coffee. But it always ends up having some kind of a shape, or I hope. 
It does. It definitely does. And uh, I'm writing a lot, and that's good. And I continue to feel like my life is going on in, in kind of a new direction uh, that doesn't have the guitar in it. And I'm not missing it as nearly as much as I thought I would, which just still seems odd to me. Uh, I still want to get it back because I play my guitar f just for my own pleasure. Uh, so I would love to be able to do that again. But in the meantime, I still feel like I'm doing my thing. So that's good. Well, and that's another magic of community and networking and the web that we're... Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, I'm having a Zoom call, I hope, this afternoon with someone that I went to college with, uh, who I really haven't had a decent conversation with in probably at least 30 years. And uh, I don't know, I think it's, it's great that community can happen in a lot of different ways. And I would like to... Uh, I would like to be in communication with other people who are writing poetry, you know, yeah. in a more active kind of way. Well, just like I want to be in touch <coughs> with other people who have these passions. Right. It's, I think it's, it helps you flourish in, yeah. because you've got somebody who matches you in intensity of the passion. Right. For example, both you and I are passionate about each other's passions. You listen to my stuff about the tarot. I love to hear the stuff about the poetry. But we don't match each other in intensity of the passion. So, well, you know, like you are really... Uh, you want to go in depth right. in a way that I don't want to go into oh, with I yours. I want to go in depth in a way that you won't, won't follow me, let's say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you need to have somebody who's going to go with you to those depths i yeah. think yeah it's true so that you feel like because in a way it's almost like sharing the wonderment i mean i am certainly bringing back all the wonderment to you you're bringing back all the wonderment to me but somebody else can actually spark even more information to wonder at than if i just was telling you about my own first impressions about yeah. something I don't know. It just, it's funny because when I was over there at the Best Deer Gardens, I was thinking about Bill Woolham's um, comedy course that he taught us in the Westminster Basement Group and all the aspects of what comedy represented. And a lot of it was about community and the green world right. and laughter and, you know, just... I feel like if we go down too far in just zeroing in on those negative things that are happening in the world, we aren't celebrating all the the things that are in the world. And like this young woman who's managing this garden, she is a person to celebrate her ideas and her visions and the way that her generation is trying to think about the world that they're going into um, is positive, not dismayed. Mm -hmm. You know, they're trying to think, okay, this is what it's going to be like. Let's see what we need to do, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I just feel like this has been such a, a beautiful, healing, miraculous week yeah. in so many ways. And it's ways. nice to be discovering uh, what I'm learning to call little blips in the microcosm, 
these little isolated places where people are trying to do something uh, that's that takes into account the interconnectedness of everything on that's the planet right. as a living system, uh, kind of a Gaia principle, I guess, for uh, to use that term, and they just they're doing what they can that's right. in their own small way, and I think it, the more people that are doing what they can around those kinds of ideas in their own small ways, that's how this is going to, that's how change will come about, is when uh, we as a society decide on a different set of priorities, and it just kind of mushrooms out, you know, right. the network, the mycelial network uh, is established in a bigger way, I don't know, it's yeah. nice, it's good stuff. And then there's... Fountains of Wayne. Fountains of Wayne. Fountains of Wayne, one of my favorite band names of all time. And I have no idea why, just because it's peculiar. <laughs> but the band is peculiar. Some of their songs are quite peculiar, but they're just, they just do it so well. This is uh, still visiting my brother's uh, wonderful retirement playlist. Yes. And the retirement playlist song was Better Things. And Man, I can't even imagine a better song for this week because I felt like I was getting the vision of the better things that are coming. And it's just, I don't know, I just feel like an overwhelming sense of gratitude for everything. Me uh, too. Yesterday I was looking around at our beautiful house and, and I was so happy having just come out of this experience. Yeah, Bill's showing right now. Right now. The, right with now. the sun coming in the front windows, it's just, the place is just... A glow. It is glowy, baby. And I just wrote to Bill, all in caps, I love our home. I love our life. <laughs> and what did you write back, Bill? Uh, I don't remember what I wrote. <laughs> I remember what you wrote. Uh, <laughs> I wrote back, me too, don't pinch me, I might wake up. <laughs> oh, anyway. Fountains of Wayne. Fountains of Wayne. on tight and a rub on tan. He's got me running around the office like a dog around a track. But when I get back home, you're always there to rub my back. Hey, Julie, look what they're doing to me. Trying to trip me up, trying to wear me down. Julie, I swear it's so hard to bear it and I'd never make it through without you around. No, I'd never make it through without you around. Nothing at all Sometimes I catch myself Staring into space Counting down the hours Till I get to see your face Hey Julie Look what they're doing to me Trying to trip me up Trying to wear me down Julie I swear It's so hard to bear it And I'd never make it through Without you around No I'd never make it through Without you around How did it come to be That you and I 
far away from each other every day Why must I spend my time filling up my mind With facts and figures that never add up anyway He's got me running around the office like a turtle on a wheel He can tell me what to do, but he can't tell me what to feel Hey, Julie, look what they're doing to me Trying to trip me up, trying to wear me down Julie, I swear it's so hard to bear it And I'd never make it through without you around No, I'd never make it through without you around No, I'd never make it through without you around Here's wishing you the bluest skies Hoping something better comes tomorrow Hoping all the verses rhyme And the very best of choruses to Follow all the doubt and sadness I know that better things are on the way